Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Rethinking EDU. In this podcast, a bunch of us teaching friends sit around and talk about our teaching experiences, schools, and education movements. We try to provide a unique and refreshing take on the state of education. Before we get too much into it, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Mike Dunn. I'm a teacher outside of Philadelphia. I teach in a private school, and I'm joined with my friends, uh, Janine, Julie, and Matt. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Janine, you want to go first? Sure. I'm Janine Dunn, and I'm a middle school educator. Uh, I work in a uh, public charter school. Hey, everyone. I'm Matt Downing. I work in a large uh, urban public district right outside of Philadelphia, and I'm a K through eight technology coach, helping teachers uh, integrate technology in the classroom. Hi, I'm Julie Cook. Um, I'm a middle school teacher in a K to eight charter school outside of Philadelphia. Awesome. And I guess we should probably talk about how we met a little bit, right guys? We, we met each other in, uh, in our EDD classes um, through Northeastern University. Uh, first we met on discussion board and then we were able to connect in the summer at a convening in Boston. It was great. We were together for, for a couple of days and had a couple of beers together in the, in the bars and uh, had a couple of cups of coffee and we're able to talk about some of these, um, some of these issues that are sort of near to our hearts and near to what we do day in and day out of the schools. And we've continued that uh, dialogue, um, you know, since then. So it's been great. So the goal of our podcast here, right, is to kind of tackle some pertinent educational issues. We try to design some questions beforehand that allow us to get our brains uh, going and sharing some of our views, but also um, some of our experiences, too. Uh, We're living in a particularly unique time in education right now, um, especially these days as we are recording this podcast All of us are um, under state order, stay-at-home rules because of the COVID-19 virus um, that's been really shocking the world uh, and certainly shocking schools. And so today we wanted to talk about what our experiences have been like um, trying to deal with the COVID-19 virus uh, and we kind of wanted to kick off with with what school's like for us right now. And um, I can share a little bit about my experience. So school for me is is quickly ramped into almost exclusively um, Zoom conference-based learning, right? Where I'm hosting uh, classes of students, where we are, um, everybody's in their homes, Everybody is, you know, doing our doing our best to facilitate good instruction and um, trying not to get uh, too overwhelmed with technology. I think is a common theme that's coming up for us right now. Um, our teachers are pretty good with technology, but even so, um, it's it's really hard. You know, the learning curve for Zoom conference for us alone has been pretty steep. I mean, kids are at home. That's been great. But then the parents all of a sudden are becoming even more of an integral um, aspect of the learning process for us. So where I, I teach mostly high school kids and where I would have communicated almost exclusively with them in the past, I'm bringing parents right in on this saying, this is what's going on on a regular basis with your kid. And they have to be there to watch them learn too at home. And so that's an entirely new experience for them. Janine, you want to um, chime in here and uh, talk about what it, 
your experience has been like? Yeah, I was just going to say you had mentioned uh, that connection with the parents, that that peace with the parents. And just from my own uh, perspective, I have three children of my own uh, that are all in elementary school. I got a kindergartner, uh, a fourth grader, and a sixth grader. And we, our school, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've, we've made the transition to online learning um, pretty we've done a pretty good job of it where we're at um but just looking at it from the parent perspective because here i am navigating like i'm still working full-time and transitioning to online for my students but then my own kids are also transitioning to online and i've had a kindergartner that's trying to take you know do stuff um so it's been it's been challenging to say the least but um we're getting through (laughs) yeah i can only imagine Matt, you got two little, little ones at home. Um, what's been that experience like for you trying to, you know, you're, you're still supporting teachers, but are your little ones also trying to learn from a distance? Yeah, so it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, my two girls are in Philadelphia. Um, they go to a charter school in Philadelphia. And right now, Philadelphia isn't requiring any new work. So it's all review. So we've sort of... Uh, have done all of the activities we always want to do, but never have time for. Um, and we're just sort of sucking them off like one by one today. They were putting lettuce in a Mason jar with food coloring and seeing what happens. Um, I've also <laughs> done a lot of artwork through art hub for kids. So we do that every day. I've been really, uh, I've been getting really good at my, my bunny. Um, my ears are just really nice. And Julie, what about you? What's, what's your experience? But now you've got teenagers or college age kids, right? Right, right. Yeah, so I, you know, we were empty nesters and they've all come home. <laughs> so, well, two of them, uh, two of them. Um, one of my sons is a social worker in New York City. So that has sort of taken my breath away. And it's, you know, everything I can do not to, you know, go up there and get them. <laughs> but, you know, he's an essential worker. So um, I'm staying put for the, for the time being. Yeah. Um, and I just think about, you know, like three weeks ago, how fast everything's happened. Um, you know, three weeks ago, I can remember, uh, you know, talking with colleagues about whether we were going to cancel activities, you know, trying to get our heads around what was really happening. Um, and then in, within two days, we were teaching online. Uh, so it was a lot to figure out. Um, our school took the opposite approach. Um, instead of a slow burn, we sort of like, went all in um, with you know, online learning. Um, and we pretty much have, we're on the same schedule mostly that we started with. We've made some tweaks along the way, uh, but just like you, Mike, we're sort of doing Zoom sessions in the morning and then you know, small group and independent work um, the rest of the time. So yeah, it's been a, a huge transition uh, in my house and, and in my teaching, of course. Yeah, interesting. We we actually just to talk about schedules for a second. We actually went to a four day per week schedule, where yes, we've done, we? yeah, we've done Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Wednesdays are a little bit um, lighter. We I found myself today scheduling one on one meetings with kids that needed extra support for ten twenty minutes or something like that. Um, but most of our instruction is meant to fit into the other four days of the week, and it's really interesting. Uh, we'll get to this a little bit later, I think, in the episode when we talk about the future of school a little bit, <laughs> is to think about 
the amount of time that kids are spending in the building right now, or well, not right this moment, but uh, the amount of quote unquote seat time that we're that we're asking kids to be in the building is X amount of hours. And yet here we are transitioning to only four days. And it I don't know what that's gonna mean for instruction or for learning um, or for for time, but we found it to be imperative because kids were exhausted at the end of say one day of distance learning. You know, being even even myself being on video calls and having to attend and, and being engaged for X amount of hours is, is super challenging. But this week we, we made that same move. Um, four days, exactly the same we've moved to, we're calling them mostly offline Wednesdays uh, where we just have office <laughs> <Nice>. hours <laughs> and um, we have different times where kids can pop in for some extra help or some questions um, or, you know, just to check in with us, that happens too, um, or parent meetings or team meetings. Um, so the teachers aren't really offline that day, but uh, from the student perspective, I agree. Um, you know, we're always worried about screen time. Um, so trying to navigate that and have some sort of balance in your life, uh, especially for young children, I think is is the way to go. Yeah, that kind of gets me to the to the next thing I um was thinking about in this transition is about people balancing their work life and you know family life and all of that and Matt I know you talked a little bit uh ago about how you've been balancing it with your young kids um what's what have you been thinking around balancing and how have you been approaching that yeah that's a great that's a great question to think about and something we've all you know, probably been thinking about a lot over the past couple of weeks because none of us have really chosen this path. None of us have control about it. And it's been forced upon us and we're trying to do the best we can, but we're trying to do the best we can within a crisis. And we don't really know how to operate within a crisis, you know, alone. And then we're guiding other teachers through a crisis. We're guiding other students through a crisis. We're guiding our family through a crisis. And you know, that can be draining and that can be um, sort of like a weight on your shoulders that's sort of hard to balance and it can, you know, it can weigh on you. And I feel like the past couple of days, it's been, you know, weighing on my shoulders, you know, a bit more and more trying to help and help and help. And it's this, you know, thing you're trying to help and help with, but you can really never get your head around it because it's a crisis. You know, this is, this is really serious and people are sick and people are dying and and that's why we're, you know, in this place. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's been hard. But some things, um, you know, we like to do are, are going walks. You know, you're allowed to do that and stay six feet away from other people walking along the city streets. So you kind of sometimes get to cross the street. Um, you know, our girls never knew how to ride a bike, uh, but they finally learned this past uh, week. You know, another thing is like trying to balance work life, right? Like none of us have worked from home, right? Our whole uh, life we've worked in a building. But now we're forced to work at home and we don't know how to work from home. So it's like, we have to figure out how to work from home. Like my neck is killing me because I'm at the computer like straight, you know, my eyes are like burning. So I'm like, you know, you're not supposed to work that much straight through looking at the computer. And I, I didn't know that, you know what I mean? Because I've never done this. Um, so yeah, it's been good. And then I've also been like having to check myself. Like if you get really wound up, um, it's sort of easy to send that email, right? Like that uh, sort of aggressive 
email, like you're like in a pitch, like working, working, working. Someone says something that annoys you a little bit. You're just like, add them and you send it. Um, and I've had to hit, you know, the unsend button a couple of times. Um, <laughs> now I'm thankful that Google has that little grace period where you can. Unsend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those are just a couple of things. Um, you know, just, just trying to navigate through. Again, having so many people, there's a lot of people in my house, just so you know, that I have like nine people that live in my house. Um, <laughs> come, come again? What? <laughs> <laughs> and we just moved too. So throw that in there too. I, we just moved oh, and man. our house wasn't finished being built. So there's rooms that are undone. And my, my bedroom is in my dining room with my, <laughs> my office. So, but you know, but, that I guess the key here though is that what do I right now my goal is to create a sense of normalcy for my students for my children <laughs> the best I can for my family um, so like we've really been trying to stick to a schedule we've been putting out schedules um, like suggested schedules to our students um, I've got schedules set for my my kids and myself just so that you know we can stay on track with things and that there, it does like create that sense of, of normalcy, even though that we are in a crisis. I love that idea of like saying, here's kind of where you were, here's what your normal day would have looked like had you been in school or been in daycare or been in whatever. Let's try to mirror that at home and, um, and do all the things that Matt's talking about too, you know? Um, what about you, Julie? What have you been trying to do to kind of uh, make the balance happen? Well, I think like everyone, I've spent a fair amount of time worrying, um, you know, picturing my son up in his Queens apartment, um, you know, is Will Smith listening to Bob Marley or something and I am legend. Like, you know, I have all these, you know, it just, you watch the news and it's really, it's, you know, it's hard to picture him, you know, as a social worker up there, um, just sort of racing for impact. But, um, you know, also thinking about, you know, there's, we all feel so powerless, you know, there's nothing really to do to help. So I'm trying to think of ways that I can help, as Janine said, you know, provide a sense of normalcy, um, of stability for, for my students um, and their families, um, just trying the best I can to, um, and actually approach every day with a little bit of gratitude. Um, you know, I'm so thankful for, you know, the whole country sort of pulling together. You know, there's so many um, people who are trying to help. Um, and trying to focus on on what their efforts are, it's really been inspiring um, to see that come together. Uh, no matter how bored we get, you know, no matter how much I just you know want this to be over, hoping that this is not our new normal. Um, just trying to provide and do the best I can um, for everyone I can be in contact with. Um, that's that's basically where I have been. You know, I'm, I'm in a house with, you know, the four of us trying to find different uh, corners of our house to have Zoom meetings with, you know, professors and, um, you know, people working and on, we're, we're trying to find our different corners. That's all there is to it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it's been like for me. I've been picking up a few extra hobbies. I'm learning to refinish uh, woodwork. I wish it were a little warmer outside so I could be in my garage a little more. Um, yeah, drinking gallons of tea <laughs> and uh, <Nice. laughs> just trying to trying to get through the days as best I can. We actually had a meeting earlier today with uh, with our parents. So we we've done every. Our, I guess our school closed what like March twelfth or so, um, 
so it's been about three weeks worth of online learning and we we offered a zoom session for parents today because it was our first like offline wednesday um and over half of them showed up for it at least and they had nothing but accolades and just you know we're we're so glad that you guys are doing this and creating that sense of normalcy and that you're giving them you're giving them a schedule and things to focus on rather than just having to think about this this crisis situation right now so i know i heard we heard from parents that they were appreciative of what we were doing yeah that's that's awesome and our parents have been similarly appreciative and um and that's been really nice too i think part of what i was saying earlier is that there's a little bit of a veil that's been removed you know parents are watching their kids learn potentially for the first time and it, it's weird parents are like whoa I can't believe, you know, so-and-so, this is happening or whatever, whatever. And that's been super, super interesting for me to hear those conversations happen with some of my parents. I sit on the on a committee for diversity, equity, and inclusion in my school. And we, in our, in our bi-weekly meeting today, started talking about, so what's it, what kind of traumatic experiences are parents kids and teachers experiencing right now and how can we leverage some of the school's um, expertise so we have a bunch of school psychologists on staff school counselors to not only help kids which is already happening also to help parents which is not happening as much but i think we are trying to figure out how we can help parents but also to help faculty you know a lot of faculty we're asking faculty to essentially work, you know, quote unquote, full time while having kids and not being able to leave their house, really. And that's a tall order. And so we, we, we said today, we, got, we have to figure out a way to support faculty better. Not from, a, not from a give them more stuff to deal with kind of way, right? Which somebody sent out an email today that was like, oh, look, Discovery Education is giving accounts away for free. If you're a teacher listening to this, go check out Discovery Education. Really great. Um, but a, a method for us to kind of like uh, turn the fire hose into a garden hose, <laughs> right? Is like, how, do, how are we able to support the, our, our staff a little bit better so they can, so they can keep going through uh, the long run? I think I've had to remind myself that although it certainly feels like we've been asked to whip up a cyber charter school or something in a few days, um, this is really emergency school, you know? Yeah, that's um, a great word for it, yeah. And mistakes are going to be made, right? Um, we have to go easy on people. I, I think that includes everyone from the governor to the secretary of education, um, administrators, teachers, parents, students included. Um, we are going to be better at this a week from now. Um, the finesse, I think, will come later. Um, should this last into, you know, definitely through April, May, we just don't know at this point. Um, so again, when I said, you know, is this going to be our new normal? Um, you know, how long are we planning for? If it's going to be to the end of the school year, you know, all of these suppositions are, are being made. So um, I think... Again, the finesse will come later, but we have to go easy on each other, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. What, what I think is maybe challenging for me to think about is that I know some districts of, uh, where um, I have friends teaching, their district has basically said, similar to what Matt's situation is, it's like, don't teach anything new, don't do anything new. 
that's really, I think that's really challenging because at least for my students, a lot of them have been like, let's do, let's learn something. I, I like to learn. Let's, let's do it, you know? And so my, my thought is like, where do you toe the line? You don't, you want to go easy on, on students and families and teachers in this type of crisis situation, of course, right? You want to be understanding of everybody's situation, but then you also want to um, make sure that kids are still sort of moving forward with learning the best that you can. I think that a lot of policymakers are struggling with that too. At the state level here in Pennsylvania, um, the governor and superintendents of schools have to make those decisions. And I can't imagine how difficult that is. You know, some are talking, there's, there's you know, chatter and, and writing about how you remain equitable in relationship to the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, right? There's been talk about how you remain equitable in providing students laptops. There's, there's been talk about how you remain equitable in providing internet service to students. Um, or do you just scrap it all and like, you know, drop off packets on everybody's door every other morning? I don't know. But I think that those are some of the decisions that I think are having to be made right now by teachers, by school administrators. And um, I think that's really, that's really tough. From a macro level, I'm just curious from you all about maybe some of the decisions that your schools had to go through and kind of what those processes look like for you guys. Julie, you want to you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I think about, you know, going back to when we first learned there was going to be a school closure. Um, actually, in our building, um, one of our colleagues was wearing an Apple watch and his wife, who had been listening to, <laughs> said, your school's closed. And that's how we found out about it. So that was kind of crazy. And we had exactly mm, about 20, 25 minutes Um <laughs> You know, we were in the middle of, you know, project work. It's messy upstairs. And we shut everything down. We gather the kids together, you know, and in that moment, how do we, you know, there's no school tomorrow. Um, and we had 20 minutes. It's 20 to three, you know. So we, I remember consciously thinking, you know, I don't want them to be scared. Um, nothing like this has ever happened. Um, there's this deadly disease lurking around, which they had known about. Um, but really making sure we were projecting that calm, cool, collected, you know, that was important to us. Um, and then immediately, you know, that next day, we started to think about, you know, now what? And you're exactly right. I think the very first thought that many of us had was, what about access? Um, you know, it's easy to picture, you know, very able students being able to navigate anything, and they're so resilient, and they can, right? Um, but Many of us teach a wide variety of students with many different um, needs and abilities, um, and access became a real issue. Um, so immediately, I think schools were scrambling for how do we reach everybody? How do we communicate with teachers, parents, students? Um, you know, we didn't even have time to really pack. We did send everybody home. We are one-on-one -on -one Chromebook, so that, that helped. Um, trying to, you know, we shoved every single thing we could think of in that book bag and, and sent them home. Um, so that was our, our experience. Um, I will, I will we, say we had a little bit of foresight at least to, um, 
like a couple days beforehand, like we are, we're paying attention to the news and we see how things are going down, like <laughs> across the country and other states and stuff like that. And um, Julie and I were both like, well, we got to teach the kids how to use Zoom before something ends up does happening here. So like, let's just do it for fun. Like as like a tech, like kids didn't know why we were actually doing it other than that, hey, let's, let's just do a little practice, you know, kind of thing. Um, so I think that was one, we, we kind of had already set them up to play with this platform. And then two, when we got that word and we had those 30 minutes, one of the first things we did was ask every kid, do you have a computer at home? Do you need to take a Chromebook home? And we made sure that they, they left with the technology that they needed before they left school. Yeah, it's been, it's been challenging for sure. And there's been a sentiment, a couple of people that have said like, we got to extend grace to people during this situation, right? Because we're all sort of trying to figure it out as we go. So take take my district, for example. They um, sort of made an announcement. All Chromebooks will be picked up on this day. That day came. People picked up Chromebooks. They needed more. All right, we'll make one more day. They came the next day. They need another day. And we've had like 10 days, but they start off with just one. So that's a change we've had to make in order to be equitable for people. And, um, and that's okay, you know, like nobody should be pointing at fingers at the, at the administrators or whatever. Oh, you didn't know. No, they're trying to figure out as they go. And um, I mean, another example is like, I was speaking to a Spanish speaking family today for like 45 minutes trying to teach them how to log into Schoology. Is that my job? I'm not really a translator. You know, I could direct them to someone else, but I just sort of did it right and figured it out and then i contacted the the director afterwards and we made a plan moving forward but that's sort of what we're doing in this time we're we're sort of just trying to figure it out um and some of that is going to look a little messy and and that's sort of okay you know as long as we're moving forward trying to figure things out um and learning from the things we we have done that have been good or maybe not so good but i think it's helpful to not be pointing the finger within a community, pointing the finger and looking at all the mistakes during a crisis, but more coming along um, and trying to help and assist and encourage and, and support because, uh, you know, people are going through tough, tough times emotionally and mentally and physically, and, and, and we need to get through this together. Yeah, I, I have um, been working for the last year for a local community-based organization, um, that focuses on, on education here in Philly. And um, they put out a request on Tuesday, I guess yesterday of this week, uh, asking if any of us would volunteer to come to their location and pick up essentially like a bag full of a laptop and some other stuff so they could support the families that are all affiliated with the organization. So a bunch of us instructors with the, with the organization are slated to go in time chunks on Friday to pick up the laptop bag and some other materials and then go, they're giving like a little direction booklets to us to go, we're supposed to get like three of them each and we're gonna go drop them off at like three different houses all around the city. And it's been really amazing to watch this CBO kind of mobilize to support the families that are under it's it's wing. And I've seen a lot of that uh, just recently of nonprofits trying to mobilize to support students and families around equity and access, which I think is 
I think it's just becoming increasingly at the fore of of people's minds. You know, if there weren't questions about educational equity before this, there have to be now. And that's one of the biggest, I think, revelations that I have um, started to make over, especially over the last two weeks as I talk to more and more teachers, you know, some teachers whose schools just are not going to be back in session for the foreseeable future, um, face-to-face session, that is. Some some families that I've talked to who are like, you know, we uh, need we need food. Like, how do we get access to food? You know, school was, they were giving the kids uh, breakfast and lunch, and now families are in charge of those meals. Like, what's going on there, you know? And um, all of those questions about equity, I think, are directly tied to how we have handled education as a country and as a state and municipalities in the past. And I think that those questions are coming right to the top right now, you know, and I think it, it requires us to reflect and say, what are we really doing here? You know, how are we handling this? When we're not in crisis, how are we handling this? Because some of those things we're either taking advantage of or we're not paying attention to. Um, so yeah, that that's one of the things that I that I've sort of been you know, revealed to me through this. And I know, I'm sure you guys have had some revelations. What about, what about you, Janine? What's been? Yeah, I completely agree with you about the, uh, that widening gap in equity. Um, Just worry about those, those families, those students, Um, you know, right now, probably for some of them, I'm sure that it's the least of their worries is to get online and go to school sort of thing. They're figuring out like, where's the next meal coming from? Um, so yeah, this has definitely brought that issue to the forefront. I, I completely agree with that. But this other revelations though, I think here we're also presented with an opportunity, right? Like they, they removed the state testing. We don't have to take the PSSAs this year or the Keystones. Um, you know, we don't have to meet the 180 day requirement. Um, you know, so there's, there's things that normally get in the way of a teacher and, you know, maybe wanting to really meet the needs of students or wanting to really make things different or interesting. And I think here we also have an opportunity to do school a little differently. Like we can actually rethink or reimagine uh, education here. And what did you just <laughs> drop uh, the name of our podcast in the middle of the podcast? What, what? <laughs> I hope that teachers take a breath, take a moment to say, like, what can we really do with this um, as we move forward here? That's the other revelation is that they're so resilient. Like mm. our students have, in the three weeks that we've transitioned here to online learning, the presentations that they've put together, the way that they've worked collaboratively and like they're recording their own sessions and then turning things in as assignments. Like, it's just amazing. I, I feel like the world is going to be okay <laughs> like, you know, when I see them doing that kind of stuff. Um, and that they've just rolled with the punches. They, they picked up right where we left off and they're kind of leading us. I mean, they're, they're, they're going, we're doing it. (laughs) So that's been cool. Julie, what, what's been revelatory for you? Well, like everyone, um, I've been amazed as Janine has, has said about the resilience of our students. It has been amazing when presented with this new reality, they just went with it. 
I have had some pretty great conversations with teachers about what's essential, you know, um, what are the non-negotiables uh, from here to the end of the year, if need be, um, if this is our new reality, um, if we're going to expect students not to just maintain their skills, but also to advance them, um, if looking forward here, um, I guess I've come really to two schools of thought on this, two avenues of thought anyway. You know, how can I reclaim some of what they've lost? I think there's some real mourning um, for some of those programmatic things that we had all been looking for, you know, field work and dances and um, large gatherings, um, that all that stuff, even field day, you know, all those things that um, springtime in schools, you know, all kids look forward to those, those sorts of things, especially uh, since we teach eighth graders. Um, so what's been lost and how can I and my colleagues help reclaim some of that for them so that not all is lost and all is different? So that'd be the, the second avenue of thought I'm really looking for is how do we reinvent um, to make this into something new um, that is of value to them? I, I love that line of thinking because I think that's something we're all sort of grappling with right now is uh, schools um, such an institution in in many countries um, and I mean that in in a way that is it has a deep rooted history to it uh, many people have had school experiences most people have had school experiences and here we are talking about totally disrupting those past experiences and it it I think it raises lots of really important questions, not the least of which is like, what about prom, man? What the heck? <laughs> you know, Matt, what, exactly. what's, on, what's on your mind? Yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about technology, right? Because that's, that's sort of my, my job within the district. And it's just really interesting because technology has become a lot easier to use, right? It's become more accessible, it's become cheaper. You know, take the Chromebook, for example. But then I'm finding a lot of the decision makers, right, don't have that technology background. They don't have that thinking about technology. And I think a lot of districts, including mine, are underfunded when it comes to technology leaders, right? Like, who is leading this technology integration plan? And, you know, what's their experience with technology? And how is this plan going to impact not just this year, like get us through but what's this going to set us up for next year or the year after? Like, who makes those decisions and what's their thought process, um, you know, with that? And again, I'm not pointing fingers. Like, everyone doesn't have to be an expert um, in that and be thinking about those things. But, you know, I think this is a big shift, right? Like, no matter what the shift is going to be, this is definitely a moment in history that's pushing things forward at, at a fast pace. And... And what's going to happen, um, you know, come September um, or come three years from now? You know, and that's, that's a really good question to ponder. And I think that's going to, you know, determine the direction the school makes and the progress and the equity and the access and engagement of these tools with students. Because it's not just, as we all know, it's not just about, like, using a Chromebook or having a good learning management system or, like, this fancy new toy. But, like, how's that? interacting with the student in a powerful way that engages them and produces like 
really good learning. Um, so yeah, those are just some things I've been thinking about and I can't get the picture uh, that you said, Mike, earlier about turning a fire hose into a garden hose. And I just really love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really, I mean, it really is. That's where we're at with technology right now. It's <laughs> like, it's cool that we, we give your third grader an iPad, but at the end of the day, I think that even the iPad loses its luster after, um, after some time that kids spend with it. And I hope Apple doesn't like sue us after listening to this podcast. So I, I uh, we're getting near the end of the episode. Want to just talk about some things about what you all see as being next for schools here in this uh, bizarro land experience that we're having. Um, you know, one of the things I see is happening next uh, is we we probably won't have school for the end of the for the end of the school year. You know. And, and that's going to be super strange. We, I was just having a meeting with our entire senior class uh, on Tuesday, and they were like, so we can do the learning. We're going to be fine. We'll learn things. What's happening with graduation? And I'm like, silence. <laughs> you know, I just don't even know what to tell them. And, and so to Julie's point earlier, it's like how – how are we bringing in the community and the traditions and the things that make school super special for students? Um, how are we re-examining what that's, what that's like? You know, we, we canceled, the country canceled March Madness. What's that like for a college athlete? You know, and um, if you're canceling March Madness, you're certainly canceling, let's say, a senior year, half of your senior year lacrosse season or soccer season and what's that like for a student you know um and how do we regain some of those things so i think that schools are going to have to start to grapple with some of those questions uh pretty soon and because they're going to have to have some answers and they're going to have to um going to have to talk to a bunch of senior families about what graduation is going to look like and that's going to not be you know uh a terribly happy conversation for many for many of them but i have no doubt that they will come up with some really creative way to embrace it make it a celebration and bring the community together i'm just amazed by how well people have been just figuring things out and finding a way to really make it work i mean it won't be the same no it'll be different but i think that i think that Together, we'll be able to figure it out and make it um, make it special. Well, I think most of our conversation has had to do with access and, and equity. And I think right now um, we have that good faith measure, at least in Pennsylvania here. Um, but I think more um, immediately will be asked of schools to ensure that all are participating in this new environment. Um, and to uh, Matt's point, I think right now teachers are inundated. Um, I don't know about you all, but in my inbin, in my my email is just it's a thousand emails a day, uh, pitching some new flashy online work. And actually, I, I appreciate like the education community has really come together. There's so many innovative pro products out there that really can help support us. Um, I'm really cautious of adopting any of those wholesale. Um, you know, a pile of worksheets in my classroom um, is no way to do school. And that same 
purpose of a worksheet and just kind of drill and kill, you know, that's the last thing that I want to do um, in this new environment. Uh, so we're going to have to invent. And I think immediately for me, my task will be to find like-minded people out there who've managed to do this well. Um, if we're coming from a project-based approach, um, for example, which um, I hope to, um, what does that look like online? Um, I've got some ideas, um, but it's going to take a minute, right, as we've said, to create this new space for the students um, and for us, too. Uh, so, yeah, those are some of the things I, I think are next. Yeah, I, th I was thinking, as you're saying that, what our uh, evolving relationship between school and parents is going to be like. I think it's really important that yeah. a lot of what happens behind school doors, parents don't see. And so I think that that relationship needs to become a little bit tighter and, and will necessitate uh, additional communication. But then parents are also going to have to work to shift their expectations around, expe uh, around communication too. You know, so teachers can get in the, into the routine of communicating with more with parents, but that also might mean that parents need to get into the routine of um, expecting reasonable amount of communication from their teachers, which I think is a really tricky, tricky balance. Um, Matt, what do you what do you think's on the horizon here? Who knows? You know, I, I definitely <laughs> definitely don't. Um, but I know that, that we have to be patient. You know, patient with ourselves, patient moving forward. Um, and we can't just get through this, right? I was talking with the other tech coach in, in our district today, and, and we were like, this has been four weeks, and it, it feels like a blur. And although it's a crisis and those sorts of things, life still can't be like that. Like, we can't be working 16-hour days to try to figure out all of these, um, you know, hundreds of issues, right? We still have to be patient with ourselves, with the community, be supportive, um, and also have to have a long-term approach. Like, yes, we have to get through today. It's a crisis, but what does this mean for tomorrow? What does this mean for a month from now? Where's the leadership leading? It's not almost what shouldn't we not do, but what are we to do? What should we put our energy at? Because we can't just go be going around putting out thousands of fires. Um, it's not effective, and it's not healthy, and it's not a good approach in the midst of a crisis, um, you know, because we're not crisis workers. But um, yeah, those are just some thoughts. And I'm always sort of self-focused in my thinking, thinking about technology and, and what this is going to do, um, you know, moving forward. Um, and how's it going to grow things? I'm maybe not as positive as Janine, um, but I think that, <laughs> that this is going to uh, propel things in, in a good way. There's just so many things that I think we briefly touched on that we could talk for hours about testing and what that means for college admissions, what like regular school day time even means, you know, like what happens if we were to just drop a siesta in the middle of the day where kids can have lunch and take a nap and like have some homework time and like whatever, and don't have them be in school during that time. You know, I, I, I think of like, what are we gaining by removing the commute to and from school, both for teachers and for students? What are we gaining when a student can just say, I got to take a break for a little bit because I need to just go outside and run around and like dig a hole or find an earthworm or put, you know, a rock on top of another rock for 20 minutes and come back in and learn again. 
Um, I know these are probably things that like homeschool parents are like, we've been saying this for, you know, in 75 years, but it, I'm not a homeschool uh, result of a homeschool family. And I, and I um, have never homeschooled a, a young person before. So I don't know any of those things, but I think they're important questions that schools in general are going to have to kind of grapple with. No, I think there's a lot to figure out um, as we go forward. Um, I just think remembering that we don't have to figure it all out today. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, one day at a time. Um, you know, just really thankful that we have the team that I have around me to help navigate some of these things. Um, I, I know that, you know, the last thing we want to do at the end of a full teaching day is to have yet another meeting, but that is how we end our days uh, right now. Um, with, you know, full-on meetings every day because this is hard to figure out. Um, so I think we'll, we'll just continue to navigate. We'll continue. We will find a way to make sure it's equitable and that kids have access. Um, we will thoughtfully um, create and design learning experiences for kids in this new environment. It'll happen. So we're, all right, we're winding down to the end of our first episode. I want to just plug our next episode. We're going we're gonna to move on to episode two, which is all about distance learning. Um, we hope that you will come back, listen again. Distance learning should be a good topic. I'm sure Matt, our tech guy, has lots of things to say about distance learning and what that means, and um, both from a technological standpoint as well as from psychological and environmental standpoint. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk lots about uh, equity and access Thanks, everybody, for chiming in. Catch us on episode two on Rethinking EDU.